people are just in general skeptical about science and just being black or an ethnic minority and science and the fact that when you go to the hospital you might not feel comfortable to say what's actually wrong with you so why should I take the vaccine and they just don't know what a scientist does as well so it's kind of just this concept that people can't really put into like their heads that okay this a vaccine is this and this is why you use it Welcome to Necessary Rebels. I'm Sandra. And I'm Kanna. We're two professional women who are passionate about tackling racism and inequalities in life and work. Whether you're in the USA or the UK, change is happening. Do you want to know how to be actively anti-racist? Do you want advice on challenging racism? Do you know how to have those uncomfortable conversations? Then lean in and join us with great tips from professionals on how to be a necessary rebel. Today we've got Amran Mohammed, who's a current research project manager at NHS Trust, responsible for a NIHR UKRI funded COVID-19 and ethnicity community intervention study. You hold a master's in public health, a bachelor's of science in biology, with a passion for supporting marginalized groups to build healthier and stronger communities while tackling health inequalities. Outside of work, you dabble in a bit of everything from hosting community conversations and engaging topics around traveling around the world. Welcome, Emran. Thank you so much for being here today. Do you want to just tell me what N-I-H-R-U-K-R-I stands for? Sure. Thank you so much for introducing me and for having us today as well. So the NIHR is what we call the National Institute for Health Research, uh, very similar to the NIH in the US. And UKRI is the UK Research and Innovation. Um, So they are sort of research councils here in the UK who fund projects in scientific and clinical research. Wonderful. Thank you so much for explaining that. We've also got Adama Sako, your current cardiovascular imaging research assistant. You have an undergraduate degree in medical physiology and master's in medical ultrasound. Your passion project is your blog, The Catalyst in Me, where you mainly talk about careers in science, but early into the COVID-19 pandemic found your footing in the world of science communication. You've kept up with COVID-19 related headlines since March 2019. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Welcome to you both. I guess I I should probably say I I heard Amaran speaking in a clubhouse talk and your passion and everything you were saying just really struck a chord with me. And I immediately contacted you after hearing you speak about the work that you were doing. Do you want to tell us a little bit, I mean, as much as you can about the study that you're working on or, or how it came about? It was lovely, actually, for you to reach out to me via Clubhouse because it was actually the first time I think I went on stage to discuss the project. Um, Because as you're probably quite aware, there's been a lot of sort of discourse on Clubhouse about the vaccines, particularly when it comes to the black community and whether or not people are willing to take it or should take it. Um, But if I backtrack a little bit, because my research actually stems from the beginning of the pandemic. And some of you may be aware that back in May, there was a Public Health England report that 
came out, um, sort of, which was a public inquiry looking into the disparities and risks of COVID-19 in ethnic minority communities here in the UK. And in response to that and some of the recommendations, um, there was a big funding pot that came out that the UKRI and the NIHR put together. And they put out a call to research groups to actually put out proposals for projects to tackle um, and investigate to see whether or not, you know, ethnicity plays a part in an increase in risk of COVID-19. And my research group that I'm now part of, which is a collaboration between the NHS and some universities here in the UK, um, put in a proposal to look at how messaging, particularly health messages, could be more targeted to ethnic minorities so that the risk of COVID-19 transmission and disease is reduced within um, these communities because many times, you know, they are at the forefront of, you know, healthcare, key worker roles, uh, etc. And although, you know, other groups were investigating if there was any biological basis, we are more looking into the socioeconomic factors that may put people from these communities more at risk. Um, so we are currently developing uh, an intervention or several interventions which are more appropriate and culturally sensitive to both the Black African and Caribbean community, but also the South Asian community here in the UK. Thank you. Wow, that's, that's amazing. I guess we're all looking forward to seeing what comes out of that study and hopefully you'll be able to come back and share with us. So what do we know for sure? We know that patients from ethnic minority groups are disproportionately affected by coronavirus. We know according to Public Health England, the death rate from COVID-19 in England is four times higher for Black people and three times higher for Asian people than for our white counterparts, putting the Black Asian minority ethnic groups at a higher risk of COVID-19. We know that people from ethnic minorities are more vulnerable to COVID-19 due to the nature of our jobs, which are usually frontline deprivation and increased incidences of comorbidities and, of course, systemic racism. And now we've got a vaccine. Well, we've got several worldwide. So I guess my first question to both of you is, why do you think people are hesitant about taking the vaccine? So I started, as I actually like rightfully introduced me, um, looking into just COVID-related headlines since March. And like after a few months in July, I held this survey and asked people like, would you take the vaccine? This was really early on before um, before the vaccine was here. And people's answers were like, no, I don't know what's in it. I'm not sure. Um, science is harmful. Um, science has done like wrong things. And like as a science student, like I've been in science, like my whole um, education, I haven't learned, I didn't learn anything about the wrongdoings of science and things like that. So I was like, okay, let me go read into this a little bit. And what I found from that survey in July till now, people still kind of have the same skepticism around vaccines. So I think a lot of people do understand now what is in it, but they're taking the approach of, I would rather not because I just don't trust the entire system of it. Like I just believe something's going to go wrong. And I'm just like, that's that's a deeper issue that has to um, deal with like conversations of genuinely picking apart why people don't want to take it because I remember asking somebody close to me would you take the vaccine if you're offered and she was like no and I'm just like why and she's just like well I'm healthy I don't really go outside um, I'm fine so why do I need to take it and a lot of people have that 
viewpoint of just I'm not taking it because I don't think I need to like I'm not at risk as the UK government have been putting it out like only if you're at risk and stuff like that so I guess to just summarize is two main points people just think they don't need to because you're healthy and people are just in general skeptical about science and just being black or an ethnic minority and science and the fact that when you go to the hospital you might not feel comfortable to say what's actually wrong with you so why should I take the vaccine and they just don't know what a scientist does as well so it's kind of just this concept that people can't really put into like their heads that okay this a vaccine is this and this is why you use it and then even going back to myself, I asked myself, would you take it? Because I was very hesitant because I was like, oh, do you want to take part in a trial? And I said no to myself. So I was like, I'm out here convincing people to take it. But now I'm on the yes, I will take it hands down. But when the trials were going on, I was still a bit skeptical because I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> we have reasons to feel kind of hesitant about it. I mean, we have a natural distrust, okay? Our white counterparts don't have this kind of natural distrust of a system. And, and rightly so. In the past, racist and sometimes dangerous health policies and clinical experiments have targeted vulnerable black and brown communities. That is a fact. There's lots of mistrust around COVID uh, vaccine, and especially with the way the government has handled it so chaotically, the, the messages that they've put out. And you, you, you don't know who to trust. So, you know, I, I can understand people's reasons for not trusting it. But I guess we need to make sure they understand the science. I think actually it's really, really important to give people the information that they can understand first, because I think because of this hesitancy and this skepticism, there's already sort of a, uh, a gap of knowledge because people will take on the information that is more relatable to them already. So if somebody comes along via other social media channels like WhatsApp with a video of showing, you know, someone that looks like them saying this is what's happened in the past, this is why you shouldn't trust things, that's already preempting people's future decisions, if that makes sense. And that's something that's very common with the vaccine at the moment. And probably why people are very hesitant towards even thinking about taking it and also when it comes to informing their own family. And I think this is where the danger lies, that when the actual misinformation, so I'm not talking about sort of what's happened in the past, but when people use these things that have happened in the past as a way of sprouting mis further misinformation, that's where the danger lies. And I think it's very important to have these discussions with people to hear them out, because I've noticed a lot on social media recently that um, there's sort of this war between this, the conspiracy theorists and the healthcare professionals. And then what you have in the middle are the people who are trying to listen, but they will be swayed by something that stands out to them more and you've probably seen that on places like clubhouse where you know people ask questions but what ends up happening is that instead of the questions being discussed it's just like well you should do this you should do this and that's where I think people are completely thrown off to begin with and why they don't want to take the information on board yeah listen I think you're right I think we know that ethnic minority groups want more information and transparency on vaccine trials. They want the information to be digestible and accessible. And a lack of information results in misinformation from social media. So I think it's, and I think it's really important that we do not dismiss people's concerns as silly or naive because they might believe in something. And that's what I'm noticing happening a lot. 
is people are not taking seriously people's worries. And instead of answering those questions, they'll say, well, go and check the BBC website or go and do this instead of answering the questions or actually understanding people's genuine worries about the vaccine. And again, like I was saying, you know, our our white listeners have a default trust in the system. We don't. We just don't. We have a, a default mistrust, which is entirely reasonable, entirely reasonable. And I know you touched on this already, Amran, but I guess... You know, how can people deal with the amount of misinformation and conspiracy theories around? Like, what do we do with all of this information? I mean, I'm getting information in my WhatsApp almost every 10 minutes. Yes, yes. No, I agree. And that's that's the hardest part of this, because, you know, you can try and do, you know, research projects where you're trying to see if you can dispel these myths and this misinformation. But the trouble with that is a lot of the time that information doesn't get to where it needs to get to. So it doesn't infiltrate the WhatsApp systems and it doesn't get onto people's Facebook pages and things like that, where they're actually looking for information. And that's something I'm currently working on now, but I can see how difficult it is because there are louder voices than, you know, mine, for instance. But I do want to say there are researchers, healthcare professionals who are trying to to do this this very same thing you know at least in the Somali community from the people in my circles that I've seen you know as health professionals they're trying to do things in their own language and I think that's even more important you know how do you speak to your own communities first and foremost so if you are you don't even have to be a healthcare professional you know if you are able to find the information that you need, understand it and have several sources. How can you break that information down to your own family? So I think starting with your own household and then amplifying this, because again, even if you don't have the time or the energy to do this, there are probably people who look like you, who you can identify with, who are doing the work. It's just really about finding them. And I think that's something that me and Adam have tried to do is trying to put first resources together, but also signposts to people who are doing the work, who are trying to do this in a way where other people can understand. Because as, you know, as scientists, as public health professionals, sometimes there's a gap between finding the knowledge and understanding ourselves, but then actually distributing this and disseminating this is the hardest part. And I think COVID-19 has shown this to the scientists that this is where this communication needs to be improved, because otherwise... It's going to go through one ear and come out the other for a lot of people, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, According to the Joint Commission on Vaccine and Immunization, the government should have highlighted ethnic minority groups as one of the top four priority groups, along with age, frontline staff, nursing home staff and residents. In fact, it, it was recommended, but it was completely ignored. Adama, do you agree? Do you believe minority groups should have been on the priority list for the vaccine and why? I think just on the decision-making process, I'm not too sure because there's a complicated relationship. If you were going to put people on a priority list, you should have prioritized like educating them on the vaccine as well. We've known since the beginning of the pandemic or very early on that black people and ethnic minorities are affected at least four times more. The thing that I found just when reading all these things, there was so much talk about the vaccine with this underlying assumption that people are going to take it. And I'm like, how are you making a decision on people's bodies before you actually ask these communities, are you going to take it? And what are your hesitancies towards it? So I don't think ethnic minorities should have been on the priority list because the government didn't prioritize them in the first place in making sure they understood the benefits of the vaccine and, and they had this trust in them. Because you now putting me on a priority list 
when you knew I was affected more and you didn't do anything then, I wouldn't want to go and get the vaccine. So I think there should have been a lot more communication. Yeah, a lot more communication after we knew the fact that black people and ethnic minorities were affected more. And then knowing that, okay, when the vaccine comes out, since this group is affected more, we're going to need to talk to them a lot more to make sure we can protect them. And in that sense, then it makes sense. But you've known this, you haven't said anything. And now you just expect me to take a vaccine like it, it just doesn't add up. So I think it just goes with how they were feeling and how they feel in general, like it's not a priority anyway. Do you agree, Amran? So I think I agree with what Adama is saying in the sense of even if you do put them on the priority list and if you did, then don't you in essence end up stigmatizing us even more when you think about it? Because it's like, okay, you're saying that I should be on the priority list of, um, you know, being given the vaccine because of my ethnicity. Do you see what I'm saying? But then the problem here is with that is that people don't like being other to begin with. So I think the first step in any case for I think any sort of ethnicity background, etc., for those who are hesitant is to be able to provide that education, to be able to provide the resources for people to understand and to understand the benefit. And then taking it from there, because at the end of the day, if you say, okay, ethnic minorities should have been on the priority list, then are you discounting sort of the aspect of the fact that, you know, ethnic minority people are already, some of them are already on the priority list because of their uh, status in the sense of because of their roles, if they're a key worker, particularly those in healthcare backgrounds, or if they're vulnerable, do you see what I mean? So I think it's almost like a double-edged sword. It is important, yes, because we we saw from the very beginning of, of the pandemic, you know, the, the disparities that were basically exacerbated because the system was already broken to begin with when it comes to, you know, protecting um, the health of ethnic minority communities, both here in the UK, but also in the US. Um, I think that goes for both sides, but it's the, the distrust in the system is... Slight, it could be slightly different, but it's all rooted in, you know, these historical issues and structural and institutional racism, which I think goes for both sides of the pond. But it's slightly different because, of course, in the US, the unethical research in terms of clinical trials are so much worse. But then when you look at the UK, for instance, the, you know, the issues that may arise because of this mistrust is deep rooted in, you know, other aspects of unethical issues and sort of structural racism and discrimination. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it, I'd love to ask the government if I had an opportunity why they didn't start a program of education running concurrently alongside the vaccine program particularly for ethnic minority groups. So they were armed with the information to make decisions for themselves. Do you know what I mean? Yes. yes. I feel like they, they missed a trick there, you know, and that would have kind of helped uh, dispel a lot of the myths and c- kind of conspiracy theories that are going around. I agree. But as you say, not a priority. So we're, this is where it shows, this is where racism shows up as well. It shows up in the way this is being rolled out that we're not a priority because we need to have the information. They are aware, the government is aware there is a mistrust um, and they didn't, they didn't, they didn't take the, the necessary steps to make sure um, we had the right information. I think there's also just been a clear, just failing communication by the government across the board. Because once you, like, if you listen to any press conference, it would be the most confusing stats, the most confu- confusing graphs. And if this is somebody outside science looking at it and paying attention, you just want to turn off the TV. So I don't know, but there was 
in some sense deliberate confusion across the board when it came to the pandemic which just makes everything like 10 times worse and now I guess this leads us right into you uh, how can people engage with the science to get their questions answered? I feel like I need to go back to school to understand a lot of the kind of scientific jargon. Even medical professionals have some difficulty with the science. So, you know, how do we get people to engage with it? Thank goodness, like in this age of social media, there are so many people out there that post stuff about science. But I've realized there's this echo chamber of like science communicators that don't really reach people. So as a as somebody that's not interested in science, what I would say is, have your questions and at least try and find one person that's interested in science. And then from there, you can kind of get recommendations or just use the sources online to kind of piece together bits of information. And you can throw a question out there on the internet nowadays and somebody might answer. So like actually trying to find ways to just ask the questions you need. And as Amra and I put a blog post together, there are so many community like Zoom events and things out there. So you can go on Eventbrite, search COVID, and you might find something and with professionals in the field and not being scared of the science. And if you don't understand a word, ask them what the word means. And I think there's this hesitancy that people don't want to seem stupid or don't want to seem dumb for asking a silly question, but ask them. Like, ask the silliest question. And my rule of thumb for anything, if somebody ever makes you feel stupid for asking a question, it means there's something wrong with that person and not you. So you should never feel hesitant about asking a question or thinking your question's too stupid. And if somebody makes you feel that way, that means that they're doing something wrong. But yeah, there are loads of people out there online um, that are putting stuff out there that are willing to answer your questions or willing to signpost you to other people. That's helpful. I guess the next question would be, are vaccines the only end to the pandemic? My current work is rooted in sort of how do people equip themselves to and protect themselves from getting COVID, spreading it in their family, and their community. So I think although vaccines are sort of a, a great breakthrough in that sense for all of us right now, what people shouldn't forget that it's not the only way to keep on going, to go back to our new normal, if you want to call that, because a lot of people think that are that might be for on offense of the vaccine is that wait, okay, if I take the vaccine, um, that means everything's going to go back to normal. That means I don't have to wear a mask. That means I don't have to, you know, socially distance. I can go back to my families. But what they realize is that what they don't realize is that right now and for the foreseeable sort of weeks and months to come, that would be next to impossible. You know, although we might get out of lockdown at some point soon in the UK, that doesn't mean that, you know, all of a sudden we're going to be mixing with our households and we're going to be, you know, be able to have gatherings again and things like that because the virus is still here. The virus hasn't disappeared and it won't disappear for now. And nobody can say when it will and if it will. But I think people need to understand that the vaccine is there as a, as a means to reduce major symptoms of the disease, so severe disease and severe illness, and also so that, you know, we don't end up having so many deaths as you're seeing now in the UK, you know. People keep on saying to people we're worse off now than we were at the first week back in, I think, May 2020. And that's such a huge, you know, a huge sign to where we are at at the moment. And that, yes, although we have a vaccine, it's not going to do everything magically for us but it is really important and I think the vaccine and protecting ourselves our families and our communities go hand in hand together and only then can we move towards you know better days I think I would say that at least I totally agree with everything 
everything she's just said and i just want to add there's this like tweet i've been seeing or like just tweets around the oh like inject the vaccine in me so i can go on holiday i'm ready for the vaccine so i can be free and i'm just like as nice as it sounds i think people's idea of the vaccine as amran said has been slightly warped like it protects you against severe disease and which is an amazing thing and an amazing like breakthrough for science as well but it's we have to protect each other as a community so you have to check your friends be like maybe reduce the amount of times you go out once lockdown ends reduce the amount of times you go out know why you're wearing a mask like know why you're doing these protective measures because again in the post we we kind of highlight that why are you wearing a mask why are you doing these things people are kind of doing it because we've been forced to but if you understand why and you put it into your daily practices that just reduces transmission overall for all of us so i think people have to be very very thoughtful in how they do things and think of the bigger picture and not just themselves so don't just go book a holiday because lockdown is over maybe let's try enjoying the country we're in and keeping transmission low and actually taking your covid test actually i don't know isolating before you go on holiday try staying home for a few days and like little things you can do to change habits just to reduce your chances of catching covid in general because we don't want it around all the time <laughs> like it's not going to completely go but we need to like think of how we're going to live with it and how we're going to live with it well and the vaccine isn't going to remove the need for social distancing and mask wearing and being responsible yeah yeah no you're right you're right every everyone even those who who have received the vaccine must continue to physically distance stay home as much as possible wear a mask protect themselves and their communities and keep washing your hands so all of the same rules still apply don't they? yeah Okay, my final question is, what advice would you give to people on the fence about the vaccine? If you're on the fence, I think really write or try and figure out why you're on the fence about it. And I say it's better to have a decision of a yes or no or yes than be on the fence, especially with people that are going to be offered the vaccine soon. Like try and understand like, okay, it's your body. So if you don't want to take it, try and understand why you don't want to take it, but make sure it's not an answer that's um, just riddled with misinformation and because you think there's going to be a chip in you. So really think about why you don't want to take it. If you're somebody that I, I don't know, maybe is even scared of like taking regular medication, I can understand why you don't want to take a vaccine because you're not used to putting stuff into your body. But if you're somebody that's just saying no because you you just read a whole bunch of conspiracies on the internet, really think about it and think about, I would it sounds extreme, but the damage you could be causing or think about your behavior that you're going to have because you're not going to take the vaccine. You're going to have to be a lot more cautious than somebody that has the vaccine because your chances just by simple science is higher of dying because you don't have the vaccine now. So you have to be a lot more careful socially. And if you're going to say yes, or you want to say yes, make sure you ha you're making an informed decision. Do it because you want to. And it is a good thing to take it. But I would say really put down your reasons for why you're on the fence. Like, is it just because of the internet or is it because you have a genuine concern? And then if you have a genuine concern, reach out to people and get your questions answered so you can make a decision. Thank you. Thank you for that. I wholeheartedly agree with Adma. Um, and I just want to add... And I think this is where a lot of people, especially our younger generation, aren't really thinking about at the moment is if you don't if you don't do it for yourself, at least when we're talking about gaining the knowledge and making an eventual decision of whether or not you should take the 
the vaccine, also think about your family and those loved ones that you have around you because they might not be able to really distinguish between the information that's being sent to, you know, make sure that you watch out for what they are being sent via WhatsApp and other platforms and at least being able to distinguish for them about what's true and what's not. So if something is completely out of this world, but they take it on board, your family especially, then maybe say, look, here's another resource. I can explain this to you. Nobody's going to force you to do anything. I think that's really important to get out to people. People think that they will be forced or eventually forced to do it. And I can't say, you know, 100% that nobody's going to say you have to take it. And I think that's why some of the wording has been quite careful when it comes to, you know, wait until you're offered the vaccine or wait till you're given the vaccine. Because, yes, you, you know, the elderly and the vulnerable might be getting a letter to say, you know, here's here's your chance to take it. But that doesn't automatically mean that they they have to. They should in the sense of it's a good thing to take and it's for your benefit and for your health. But I think what we need to be careful with, and I think that's something that sort of the public health messaging that's out there needs to be careful of, is that people don't feel like they're trapped into making a decision before knowing the facts, before having the information. So I think really, you know, get informed if you can and stay informed because science as much as we, it's beautiful, it's also ever-changing. And I think that's the scary part for people because they're seeing science happen live. Before, it was always in the background. It was never at the forefront of the news, per se, unless something huge had happened. But even if it did, nobody ever explained it in terms that other people would understand. So I think that's really important. And also just for people, regardless or not, whether they take the vaccine or not, is to still stay safe, still, you know, reduce the likelihood of transmitting it. You know, when you go outside, always have, you know, sanitizer with you, your masks, etc. Just don't, you know, don't be reckless all of a sudden if you do get it, if you do get the uh, the vaccine. And just remember the vaccine is uh, an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing. But right now it can only do so much for you when you do take it. And just for the young people out there who might be listening, this is the other thing. I know people are worried about it. They're worried about some of the myths, etc. But just remember, unless you're a key worker on the front lines or you're in a vulnerable category, you wouldn't be offered it to begin with right now. You still have some time, you know, to make these decisions, to, to really get informed. So don't feel like you're in a rush. Nobody's telling you to make a decision by Sunday, 9 p.m. So just make sure you, you know, you take your time, have a look at the resources that are out there and talk to people. I think it's really important to talk about these things and have discussions and voice out your concerns because, you know, you never know, you might be able to get your answer right there or then. And that might be able to, give you the chance to make that well-informed decision. Are there any can, any websites you could recommend that people could get kind of factual information just off the... First and foremost, a lot of people don't realise that the NHS website has very easily understandable information when it comes to both COVID-19 in general, but also the vaccines and what's available and who's on the priority list and um, you know, when will things be rolled out? And that always gets updated. The same thing with the gov.uk, the government website, that's sort of complementary to the NHS website. Um, and then, of course, the World Health Organization, the WHO is also a good one. Yeah, definitely. I think those three are the main ones because you would want to get information directly from the sources, especially whatever country you're in. So WHO, NHS and the government website are really, really good. If you don't want to like think about biased opinions and you just want what are the facts for now and what are they saying, go to those websites. And then there are on 
additional online people just in general that um, talk about the vaccine and things in general. So there are two people in the UK that I know talk about vaccines quite a lot on their Instagrams. So I think, um, Amran, you introduced me to um, Dr. Samira. She's done the ITV thing. And then there's Dr. Esmeralda, which she's an infectious disease doctor in the UK. But on her story, she answers so many questions about vaccines. So that would be one of my go-tos, especially if you're in the UK. Then obviously the blog post we wrote. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Please tell please tell our listeners where to find you and, and where they can get information about you. So the website is www.thecatalystinme.com and socials are at the Catalyst in Me or Catalyst in Me. And then Amran's is the world of Amran. Okay, I will make sure we add all of that to the um the, the blurb about the podcast as well, so people can access it very very easily. I just want to say thank you so much. I know you're both so busy and for giving up your time on, on very short notice as well and to, to chat with me. And, you know, hopefully this is just such an important, important topic right now. And and we've got to kind of keep these conversations going. And, you know, if, if one or two listeners take something from this that they didn't know before, then we are doing our job. So I, I'm just thank you. Thank you so much for being with me today. I really, really appreciate it. I just want to say to our listeners, COVID-19 is killing thousands of people every single day. We have a responsibility to stay vigilant and practice the preventative measures that will curb the spread. Our first line of defense against the virus is and will always be our individual behavior. Please behave responsibly. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You can find Necessary Rebels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on Instagram at Necessary underscore Rebels underscore pod. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Necessary Rebels. This was an II Studios production. We'll see you for the next episode. Thank you for listening. <laughs>